This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, May 22nd, 2011. After the resurrection, revitalization. Almost lunchtime, isn't it? There. <laughs> well, good morning again, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. Yep, I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for this day. It's a day that you've ordained. Help us use this day wisely. But for now, Lord, settle us in and um, help us focus on your scripture, your word. And um, pray that we leave changed and transformed by it. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so last week we we saw how the disciples were scared and unsure where things stood following the death of Jesus. Even though other people had 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 contact with the risen Christ and told them about it. And then last week we looked at how Jesus revealed himself to them, giving them proof that he, in fact, was the resurrection. And, in fact, he had overcome death. He was alive once again. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to John chapter 21. That will be our focus this morning. Let's see what uh, the scripture says, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples... We're together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they get in the boat and they go fishing. Now for three of them, Simon Peter, we often just call him Peter, and the sons of Zebedee, also known as James and John, for, for those three, this is a return to their old way of life. It's a return to the way things used to be when when they fished for a living, when that was their livelihood before they dropped their nets and followed Christ. This return to what they did before they met Jesus. Isn't it funny how in our lives things get out of control? They just spin out of control. I know with me when that happens, I just want to go and kind of do something that's really um, predictable or something that fills me up. And as Alan said, it's to the beach. Well, it's hard to get to the beach a lot, so it just might be sitting in the sun for a minute reading a good book. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you've stepped out and you've done something for Christ, for Jesus, and then it sort of like reels you back because it's not what you thought would happen. Yeah, some of you know what I'm saying. So the temptation is to go back, go back to that comfort zone and just get recharged in that place. Mm. I was sharing on Friday with my small group Friday morning about when I first went into ministry, I was, uh, I had, in the Methodist church, they have, uh, they call it a charge. It's like uh, the number of churches. Sometimes you have a three-point, four-point, five-point charge where you have three, four, five churches that one pastor serves. So in Seaford, I had what they call a three-point charge. On Sunday morning, I went and preached at three different churches. And it was 
it was a lot of travel, but the plus size is it's harder to hit a moving target, you know, so I figured there was always a plus, you know. Anyway, uh, these are, are smaller churches that, gosh, I, I think the youngest one was still over 100 years old. They kind of have been doing things a certain way for a long period of time, you understand, and in each church there were kind of certain families who'd been there for a long time, and often in small churches it gets kind of uh, almost like a big family, which is great unless you don't want to expand the family. You, you with me here? And so I came in full of energy. I think I like to say I was a kid, but I was 41. So I guess I wasn't a kid, but I was full of energy and all these ideas for how we're going to reach the world for Jesus. And these churches are just going to throw their doors open. And, and I had all these ideas. And, 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 and maybe, uh, maybe I came on, gosh, you think a little strong sometimes? Uh, maybe a little bit too. I, I know the one woman shared with me that her Sunday school told her that I had too much energy. And, and so... I, I wasn't there. I was uh, serving uh, a different church, uh, so I didn't get to witness the, the, the head of the church council, who'd been the head for a long time, who was also the head of the trustees, I think he was head of trustees because he owned a, a surplus uh, building goods place and so they could get the stuff cheap through him. And at one time, he was even the staff parish relations head, the person over... He, he basically controlled the church. He wasn't the staff parish at this point, but still, he... What he said kind of went, and great guy. He'd been around a long time. I think he was probably close to 70 when we had this chat, and, and um, we always got along well, but he sits me down in my office one day, and I guess the church just, well, this will tell you all of it. He sits me down. He says, Alan, we want our little church just like it was. You understand? In other words, enough of these crazy ideas, enough of this energy, enough of this desire for change, enough of doing things contrary to the way we're used to doing them. We want to get back to our comfort zone, back to that place we were, back to when things were kind of sensible. We want it just like it was. Well, that seems to be where the disciples <laughs> might have been when we meet them here in the scripture in John 21. <laughs> you know, they're out in the boat. They're fishing. I mean, that's what they did before they met Jesus, so they went back to their comfort zone. If you remember, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how, you know, their world was rocked when, when Christ died, and they were really just spinning their wheels, pretty lost, not knowing what was going to happen next. So for them, fish, fishing is like <laughs> Alan cooking spaghetti. Yeah. That happens a lot, by the way. And so um, it brings comfort when we do those familiar things. The truth is, we might do this a lot or every now and then, but now I'm talking big picture. Once we get to know Jesus and we go back, things don't feel quite right. You see, we are not the same. We cannot go back, even though we try. In fact, Scripture will show us more about this. Mm -hmm. In fact, that scripture we shared just a few minutes ago, the last sentence of it, actually, we left off. We're going to put it on right now. See that last sentence? Say it with me, will you? So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So we might take comfort in going back to the way things used to be, back to our life before Jesus. Oh, it was really easy. No. Once we've known Jesus... Here's what happens. Going back seems pretty empty. 
very empty. We might go fishing again, but we aren't going to catch anything. Mm. And the funny thing is, just because we try to return to a place of comfort doesn't mean that Jesus is going to abandon us. Doesn't mean that Jesus is going to forget about us. Doesn't mean that Jesus is going to let go of us. Hardly. Check the next second of Scripture, verses 4 through 6. Early in the morning, this is after they'd been out fishing all night, catching nothing, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. (laughs) I love this part, because he already knows the answer. (laughs) He called out to them, Hey, friends, haven't you any fish? (laughs) And what do you think their answer is? And I think he may maybe said like, No. I mean, they've been fishing all night, didn't catch anything. And this guy on the beach is giving them, catch anything? No. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. I don't know if that's the opposite of the left side or if it's the opposite of the wrong side. But anyway, throw it on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, here's the thing. At least they listened, even though the answer is no. At least they didn't get an attitude that kept them from doing what he said. When they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. (laughs) Isn't that cool? So we might find some comfort in doing the familiar, but here's the truth. Jesus will not let you go. You can never be out of the grip of God. So we might try to be here, But God's just going to woo us in and and draw us closer. And we're going to have this restlessness, this emptiness, until we connect with the one who designed you, desired you, and breathed life into you. You have a God-given purpose on this earth. You know, God knows the big picture. Jesus knows the big picture. We might be going through this really rough time right now. And, you know, it was really easy before I knew Jesus. I could do... It's not. It's not. We know what this moment feels like. And it, it could be really good for you or it could be really tough for you. But God knows the big picture. God knows what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. What's going to happen in your life next week? Or in, God's going to know what choice you're going to make. But God desires you to just come with this whole big heart and say, Okay, okay, you know what's best for me. And once we've met Jesus and we try to go back to that spot, that pre-Jesus spot, we just come up empty. Or if we don't know Christ and we're in that spot We are flat out empty because life doesn't make sense. Hmm. You know, I love this part of the the resurrection story. The disciples go off on their own without Jesus. When they cast their nets, they come up empty. Jesus calls to them without them even realizing who it is, tells them how to fake and fill their nets. And with his help, they catch so many fish that they're unable to haul in the net. How often do we go about our day-to-day stuff? in a similar fashion, you know, kind of on our own, not really focused on Jesus. I hate to say it, but I find that happening with me some days. You know, I get to noon, I go, gosh, I, I didn't, I didn't pray. I didn't read the scriptures like I should. I, you know, I got focused on my stuff instead of on Jesus. Well, isn't your stuff church? Yeah. But sometimes it's still stuff rather than, you know what I'm saying? 
How often do we try to, on the other hand, how often do we try to play it safe when we go back to what is familiar and, and comfortable and we don't want to take a chance for Jesus? We're not willing to risk for the kingdom, thinking if we don't take chances, if we avoid risk, everything's going to be okay. How often do we cast our nets without Jesus and just like the disciples, we come up empty? He tells us where to drop our nets. Christ wants us to step out in faith, to risk for the kingdom, to share the good news that is too important to keep to ourselves, to share that The Messiah has come, the anointed one, the Savior of the world. Last night, uh, Turner graduated from Middletown High School as well as anybody, any other Middletown or Apo grads here today? I know some of the parents are. It's great to see you. It was a great night. And there's one moment, though, that um, stands out other than when Turner walked across the to get his diploma. One of his best friends, James Lynn, Turner had the privilege of introducing him. James Lynn was the salutatorian for Middletown High School. James shared about what was, you know, how he got where he got and thanked his parents, and it it was this great story, this great speech. You know what James did? He said, it's all because of Jesus, and nothing matters except a relationship with Christ. To a couple thousand people at the Bob, at middle, you know, for the Middletown High School graduation, I was blown away. Here, this kid's going to Columbia University, and all he wants to do is talk about Jesus. And by the way, the Board of Education allows it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And what you just did is exactly what the congregated uh, group of people there last night did when James shared that. That was really cool, too, that that was the response. Yeah. So as each one of us who has the relationship with Christ, if we can have the guts to do what he did, boy, that would please God, wouldn't it? And it doesn't have to be in front of a couple thousand people. It could be with your coworker. It could be with your sister. It could be with your parent. It could be with your neighbor. Just tell your story. Because your story is yours that God has planted in your heart. Just tell your story. God calls us to reach out, to share the good news to the least, the last, and the lost. And by the way, I've been the least, and I have been the last, and I have been lost. And I know we all have been. We are lost without Christ. We are called to share the good news of Christ. We were vacationing a couple weeks ago in uh, Virginia, and on the way back we made a pit stop, I I think it was around Richmond, at a a Burger King. And um, as I was going in the restaurant, um, I noticed a man standing there near the door, kind of a tall, husky fellow with... um, crutches and several bags around him, um, op- uh, kind of, not see-through, but you could see that I think it looked like clothing and stuff in several of the bags. And when I came out of the restaurant, he said to me, where are you going? I said, well, we're going to Delaware. And, and I said, well, where are you going? He said, 
Washington slash Maryland. And then he said some kind of mumble that where he was going was probably out of my way. And well, I didn't say anything, and I got in my car. Actually, they were, we had a couple cars. We were traveling kind of in a group there. Uh, we had stopped working not for lunch. We were going to eat lunch in about an hour. And, and the sooner I got in the car, and I knew I'd made a very bad mistake. Because I didn't say, when I said, where are you going? And he said, Washington, Maryland, slash Maryland, and said, that's, that's not on your way. The truth was, it was very much on my way. Because I-95, which we were on, goes right through part of Maryland and part of D.C. And, 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 and it came to me, the whole rest, and it still comes to me today, which Carrie just shared. Jesus said, uh, we are to care for the least, the last, and the lost. And, and what you do for the least of these, you've done for me, my brother, my sister. And um, that's all I could think about when I left. And even today, it kind of haunts me because I didn't do anything. And I should have. I should have offered him a ride. And um, I'm not sure why. Maybe I uh, you know, was with a group of people. That's not a good excuse. We had other You're going to be an inconvenience. Well, that's never a good excuse. I don't have a good excuse. And when I share this, I'm, I'm not suggesting to you or advocating to throw caution to the wind and every place you see some, pick them up and get them. I, I'm not suggesting that because I don't think we're called to be foolish and to make bad choices with our safety. That's, that's not what I'm suggesting. Or to put yourself in danger. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. What, what I'm saying this morning is just this, that on that day, in that place, with that person, I had an opportunity to listen to Jesus calling from the shore. It's like I was in the boat, calling from the shore, but I ignored him, and I dropped my net on the left side or the wrong side of the boat, where the fish weren't biting. Now, I had the opportunity that day to be Jesus with skin on. You know, we, we talk church all the time. We talk about what we should do. And then when the rubber hits the road, I, I didn't take the chance that I should have. I didn't take the opportunity to be Christ. I turned my back on Jesus, and I'll tell you what, that's not a good feeling. That's why I'd share it with you today, because it's still not a good feeling. You know, it's empty kind of just like the nets of the disciples. You know, when Jesus calls, we need to listen to where he's telling us to drop our nets. Amen? Amen. So let's um, get back into the scripture, John 21. The writer, John, is part of this story. He recognized that it was Jesus and said to Peter, It is the Lord! And as Peter heard that, he took off his outer garment, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. The others followed him in the boat. And when they landed, when their boat arrived at shore, they saw this barbecue there waiting for them. Fish already there. And here's what Jesus says to them. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter, you got to love Simon, he climbs back into the boat. He dragged, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. 
This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Yeah, it's really interesting that we're told how many fish were caught. 153. Hmm. So, we Google that. 153 fish in this, in this search, and we got 84,300,000 results. All those opinions. We didn't, all, we didn't look at all of them. Speculations, theories about the meaning of 153. Now, by the way, guess what? We're all here today, aren't we? <laughs> hey, you guys are quick. That's pretty good. We wanted to put the sign up on our land, just show up tomorrow, we'll all be there. If anybody has any questions about that or believed any of that garbage, come see me because we need to have a chat. We don't know when it's going to happen. But the bottom line is we all do need to be ready. Christ is coming. Our hearts need to be right. We need to do the work. Not works righteousness. We need to be in relationship with Christ. We never know when God's going to snatch us. And it might not be the rapture. It might be tomorrow in some other <laughs> might way. might just be your day. <laughs> might just be your day. So anyway, back to 153. Okay, here's what, here's what uh, some of that search said. So we have 1 plus 5 plus 3, 153. 153 equals 9. The square root of 9 is... Three. The Trinity is Jesus was in the grave. Okay, so there that's is. where some of the hypotheses, I'm not like making fun of that, but people speculate about what all these numbers mean. That, that was, they were much more elaborate than that. That was on the, the easy end of the, you ought to go on sometime, just see what all this speculation on 153 fish and what it means. I tend to be a simple guy. I, I like to keep things generally pretty simple. So I'm thinking, okay, 153 fish. For me, that means that there were 153 fish. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, that's about as deep as I go. Um, and, uh, and, and, and they say, well, why did... Now, here's the question, though, is always in Scripture, and this is one thing I learned, one, one of the things I learned in our biblical interpretation class back in seminary, Laurie, was when you're reading Scripture, when it says something, you've got to say, why did it say that? And then you, the things it doesn't include, you've got to say, well, why didn't it include that? And here it's very specific, 153. Why? Why didn't it just say a lot of fish? Why didn't it just say a net full of fish? Why didn't it just say the net was overflowing with fish? We get the idea, right? But it gives us an exact number. And this is an Alanization of it. It's not in those. Uh, it's not on the Google search. I think maybe it's because it's to let us know that this isn't just another <laughs> fish story. <laughs> fish story, fish story. You know the ones that got away. In other words, this is absolutely real. <laughs> fish real, and for certain. And true and accurate and whatever other words you want to put in there that says this is absolutely what was. It's not made up. It's not fabricated. It's real. There were exactly 
150. And why do we want to tell you? Because we want to let you know that everything here, including the risen Christ, is for certain, for sure, and for real. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Jesus invited them to breakfast. They broke bread together. They had some fish. It reminds us of of another scripture in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am, Jesus says. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, say the rest with me. I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And so he knocks and knocks and knocks and keeps on knocking. And maybe you try to ignore it, try, but it, that doesn't mean it's not, he's not knocking. He's knocking at your door. You know, there's a well-known picture painting of, of Jesus at the door, and you see him knocking. And the interesting thing about that picture is there's all plants and all that kind of stuff, but there's no handle on his side of the door, is there? In other words, he's not going to force the door open. He's not going to force his way into your life. He's going to keep knocking. He's not going to give up. But he's, he's keep knocking until what? Until you open the door. Scripture says, uh, here's my voice, and opens the door. you got to open the door. And, 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 uh, and, and he says, I will come in. If you let me in. He, and if we let him in, he's going to join us. And he says, I'll share a meal with you. Wow. I, I think, now here's where I'm going to not be simple. I think a meal here means more than just giving you bread and eating in silence. I think meals, you know how dinner time, your table, hopefully there's communication. That's where you share the events of the day. That's where you get to know each other. That's where relationship happens. Amen? Amen. I hope so, because that's what mealtime's all about. It's not just about the food. It's about the relationship. And I think when he says, I'll share a meal with you, that's what he's saying. I want to be in relationship with you, and if you'll let me in, that's what's going to happen. And so Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts and waits patiently. He's ready to, to, he's got the barbecue fired up ready. We need to say, okay, okay, thank you for the invitation. Here I am, I accept that invitation. I want to break bread with you. Yes, Jesus, let's share a meal together, meaning yes, Jesus, I want that relationship. I want to be in relationship with you. You know, our focus today is revitalization. Revitalization. I was thinking about calling it the, maybe I should have made it rejuvenation. It's simple, less syllables. And Nah, but revitalization, you know, what did you say earlier? Vital, what's it mean? Vital means to, it's life-sustaining. Having yeah. remarkable energy. Yeah. Vitae. Vitae. That's a Source Latin thing for life. 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 That's why this is such an important word. Bringing re- re-life. Bringing life again. You know, we might be refreshed by going fishing for a day like the disciples are cooking up that plate of spaghetti and watching a ball game or even sitting on the beach reading a book. But to be truly revitalized, re-enlivened, that only comes from a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. And the thing is, he's inviting us. He invites you, invites me, invites us to come over over some hot coals. Isn't that just a great image? Hey, come on over and have a barbecue with me. 
have the hot coals on the shore to share a meal and to be in relationship with them, either for the first time, what's that, vitalization, <laughs> or the second or third, revitalization. And so the question is, if he's knocking, the question is, <laughs> what's your answer going to be? Are you going to answer the door? Are you going to open the door, either for the first time or once again? So as we close this service, we're going to sing together a song, Walk by Faith. And it just reminds me, those words talk about trusting the Lord. There are so many times in our lives when, when we cast our nets on the wrong side of the boat and we do come up empty and, and we tend to maybe start to build a wall and, God, you aren't who you said you are. You know, I didn't, you didn't save me from this or you didn't do that or, you know, our wish list just was not fulfilled. And we find ourselves devitalized. That's not what God wants for your life. God wants you to have life and to have it abundant, abundant joy. And as I said a few moments ago, God will never let you go. You know, we're the one that moves. God, does, God will just keep moving toward you, toward you, toward you, drawing you in, but not forcefully. And so, if, if you're feeling at a distance from the Lord, get revitalized today. Pray to, pray to God. You can do that from your seats. You can do that up on the steps during the last song. You can go back in the prayer corner. Hi, guys. Thank you for being there. They're ready to pray for you. Whatever your concern is, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day, we hope. Today's the day where we hope that you'll say, okay, Lord, I'm tired of coming up empty all the time. I want a life with you. I'm sorry for those things that I've done. Forgive me. Come into my life. You know, I guarantee you, if you pray that, you might not feel like a lightning strike today, but you will be different as you walk it out with Jesus Christ by your side. If you want that prayer of salvation, go back. Lindsay and Chris can lead you through that as well. We are so glad that you've joined us today for uh, After the Resurrection Revitalization, and we hope that each one of you feel that nudge from the Lord today and that it will carry you through all the days ahead. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, you know, forgive us for these times when we, um, we do things our own way, and thank you for never letting us go, that we can never be out of your grip. Help us walk by faith, not by sight. Help us when we encounter you and the different ways that we spoke about last week, that we say, it is you, Lord. And we sit and we spend time with you and we build that relationship. Thank you for each person here today. It's not by accident that anybody's in this place. We pray that each one will feel your nudge, your touch, and be empowered to connect others, to share the good news with others, to share the life that you offer. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. And all of Connection Church said, amen.
thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.